0: BNP Realm Podcast Season 2. Once again, this is your host Brian, and as always, thanks for joining me. Welcome to Episode 28. B is for Dissecting My 2020s Mantra. Before I begin, a tiny note about the titles of these shows. You have to go all the way back to episode two of season one to learn the full thinking behind both why i named this the P round podcast and also why i sometimes will say b is for, and then have a word that starts with a different letter for example today is d now since today's is d i'll explain that one so here in japan One of the most common mistakes beginning English students make is when they write a small letter B, they will write it as a D, or vice versa. Thus, I can use the B for D words. Now if you want further explanation, again, go back to episode 2 of season 1. Which brings me to today's episode, where I'll be breaking down or dissecting my 2020's mantra. And I'm going to give you the mantra right now. Here it is. I don't know. We'll see, adjust accordingly, everything is okay. Now, speaking of going back to listening to previous episodes of the BNP Realm Podcast, if you want what I think is an absolute banger of an episode, diving into the I don't know part of the 2020s mantra, I highly recommend you listen to Season 1, Episode 15, B is for Becoming Comfortable with I Don't Know. The link is in the show notes. I had the distinct pleasure to listen to it yesterday in preparation for releasing this one, and it made me remember how much time I put into each episode back then, especially from March to May when I no longer had a full-time job. At that time, not only did you get my usual monologues, but I often played several clips to build upon the theme and picked out thematic music as well. This year, of course, has been much more focused on what I call Riverside Ramblers, which are a different beast. But I still think they're a useful exploration of these big, deep topics, and also a great chance for me to sprinkle in stories from my life, funny asides, and, of course, some nonsensical anecdotes. Now, today's is not technically a Riverside Rambler, because I recorded this one while walking with my bike along a bike path the other night. So let's just call it a bike path babbler, shall we? The deed is done. Bike path babbler it is. Okay. Because the weather was so nice the other night, think Southern California Nights, which is a tease of the song I play at the end of this one. A link for it is in the show notes for those who can't help but peek ahead. As I was saying, because of the nice weather and a gregarious mood, this is another long one, so I'm not going to steal any more of my thunder. As always, if you want to get in touch with me, find me in the links in the show notes, and while I've got your ear, consider giving me a solid review somewhere if you would. Okay, enjoy the show. It's an absolutely lovely well, early fall night. Could have fooled me. Now I live in central Japan, and here's something interesting about central Japan. If you were to take the latitude line of Tokyo and go due east and hit America, you would be closer to Los Angeles than you would to San Francisco. Point being, the fact that it's still warm and feels kind of like a western Washington summer day today, where we got up to low to mid-80s and this evening the low will be actually warmer than a western Washington evening in the low to mid-60s. Well, it's not that surprising. But having said that, another difference between Japan and, well, I guess we're talking San Luis Obispo or Santa Barbara. Is that in the winter it gets colder Uh, but having said that you know we actually get snow here uh, not that often maybe once a year we'll get a little snow on the ground and every once in a while we'll get a big snow but it's pretty uncommon but yeah the average high here in the winter tends to be around 50 and sunny very clear and crisp strong wind known as the kara kaze. Kara meaning empty, kaze meaning wind. It's famous in this area and kara meaning uh, from the word karate, karate and karaoke, karaoke. Empty orchestra and empty hand karate. little Japanese for you folks. Now <laughs> funny thing is I'm sure I've shared those words before on the podcast so i'm running out of material or am i anyway i'm walking right now on the bike path it's probably let's check the time here i'm guessing it's around 8 45 p.m check that it is
1: eight
0: not quite 8:45, 8:35. 8 35 monday october 4th 2021 Coming back from my new gig on Mondays, teach, well, one week I'll teach four classes, which I did today, um, kids, elementary school mostly, and then the last class was junior high, uh, small classes though, which I like, um, each class has between four, and I think the biggest one is seven students, and yeah, I like that, that level, um, also... In the class, I'm generally sitting. I can stand up and walk around and check homework or whatever. But yeah, it's kind of casual after school class and the kids level. Well, besides the last one, they are pretty high level, but that's probably not really interesting for a podcast. So what I want to talk about tonight is my, what I used to call my 2020 mantra but now I've adjusted it to my 2020s mantra. And that might be mantra. <laughs> One of the other things about living in Japan for 17 years now is that sometimes I'll start saying a word as the Japanese will say it. A case in point, Mongo. I know English people say mango, but I didn't even really use that word until I came to Japan. And then my father-in-law used to travel to the Philippines a fair amount, and he would come back with some dried mongos. And it's interesting because Fish has a song called The Mango Song, but they don't say it in the song, I don't believe. Or do they? Ah, your fish, your hands and feet are like mangoes. Anyway, (laughs) but yeah, it's interesting how there are some words that, because I kind of have, my brain has kind of mixed up English and Japanese, I will say it. So is it mantra or mantra? I don't know, but mantra sounds more correct just because I think it is from a Indian language, maybe. And it just sounds better to my ear, so when I say mantra, it sounds funny. Just like mango sounds funny. One more thing about mangoes, though, or mangos. Funny thing is, I can't find them anywhere, in any grocery stores around here. Uh, The reason I know this is last spring, or winter spring, I was getting into... I got a mixer, a juicer, a mixer, I don't know what you want to call it, a blender. And some of the recipes I read, many people said, mangoes, mangoes are really good. I couldn't find them. So it's interesting how I never use the word in America, come to Japan. Start using it because of dried mangoes, but I can't find mangoes anywhere. All right. Now, let me get to the 2020s mantra. And I think I've, I know I've shared this across podcasts before, but I'm going to make this about the mantra and just kind of riff on it. Okay. So, and this was something that came to me in March of 2020, that wild, magical, weird fucking month. <laughs> Where the world suddenly stopped and yeah my world totally stopped on the Thursday the last Thursday of February that evening Japanese Prime Minister had a press conference where he was advising the schools the public schools to shut down class for the rest of the year uh, because of the coronavirus and at that point there were very few cases here. There was the Prince's Diamond cruise ship that was parked off the shores of Tokyo. And at that point, it was seen by a lot of people as he was in a scandal, and he was trying to distract from that. because people And people were saying, you're not doing enough. Uh, this was Abe, Shinzo Abe, Prime Minister at the time. And then a lot of people thought this is about him trying to save the Olympics because that was his big... He kind of built several years there. I got the Olympics. We're gonna rebuild Japan after the earthquake of 2011, a tsunami and earthquake and nuclear disaster. Um, so a lot of people felt it was that. It didn't really have anything to do with the virus. But for me, what happened was the next day I went to school, and all the school districts were kind of. It was like it's your decision, but we're advising this. And in Japan, generally when the guy on top advises you to do something people generally do it Um, but it's kind of a nice way of not you know being like authoritarian but anyway so I went to school and I had four classes that morning I was like are there going to be classes or not and I was also worried like kind of it was strange because the next week was going to be my final week uh, teaching at that classes in, in that grade it was elementary school And the class I was teaching that day was kind of a preparation for this final week presentation. And I'm like, well, if they're going to cancel school next week and I'm going to have classes today, what do you want me to do? And I'm getting ahead of myself here because this comes to part three of the mantra, and I'll just say it, is adjust accordingly. AA. (laughs) And teachers were like, just hold on, just hold on. And then it got to like... Ten minutes before my class, so meanwhile I'd kind of prepared a fun lesson to do um, in case they were gonna decide to cancel the schools. And then teacher finally came to me and said, "Yep, yeah, they're they're canceled. We're gonna be off next week, and so you don't have class today." Because it was the la- all of a sudden it was the last day of school, and the teachers had to get the kids a bunch of you know here in Japan when the end of the year is March, but it's only like a two-week spring break, and they actually give them homework even though kids are moving into the next year. Um, So they had to get all that stuff ready. So the teachers were massively busy, but I was just suddenly, like, cast free. And this is after January and February, where I feel like it was one of the busiest times of my adult life, because not only was I teaching my regular 35-hour-a-week job, but then I had my side jobs, and I was doing my Japanese class, And then I was starting the podcast, and then I was planning for my trip to go to America in April. And so it felt to me like I was just constantly on the run. And then all of a sudden, just like that, it was like, you got nothing. I mean, literally the next week, that next Wednesday, I'm biking to my Japanese class. And I get there, and they're like, this community center is closed for the coronavirus. And so I just remember feeling this sense of like all of a sudden I was in the ocean and I'm on a raft and I've got no way to know which way to go. And I'm just kind of like feeling sort of like, you know, you hear about the phrase stuck in the doldrums. And that's what the sailors in the part of the ocean and it's like kind of in between the equator and the tropic of Capricorn, Tropic of Cancer, I'm not sure exactly where, but there's an area where there's no wind and they get ships get stuck. And I felt like that, like all of a sudden here I had been with this kind of, I had this goal in mind, and, God, and I was just so busy, but I was really focused and there was just no time to all of a sudden have all the time in the world and not knowing which direction to go and whether all these plans I've been making were going to come to fruition. And so that became kind of the March template. I had to go to school every day, but there were no classes left. And it was just, just as kind of, it was weird. Like for everybody, I think we all, I don't know anybody who didn't have a weird March of 2020, <laughs> no matter what part of the world you were in. Maybe there were people that it didn't change that much for them. But uh, yeah, it was pretty weird. And during that month, I had a lot of insights Insights, not downloads, but insights. They could be both anyway. And one of the insights I had was the 2020s mantra. And now I'm finally going to say it with that preamble. Part one, I don't know. Part two, we'll see. Part three, adjust accordingly. And part four, everything is okay. And now these all didn't come at once. But they came within a period, really during that month of March. Uh, And I know if you go back and listen to the March episodes, there's definitely one where I did the whole episode on I don't know. So probably don't really need to riff on it here, but it's been a year and a half since that, you know, here we are in early October, Um, just a little bit over a year and a half. And... I've had time to kind of sit with this mantra and practice it. And I want to talk a little bit about it. So I don't know. So what does that mean? What do I mean by that? Well, there's a few things. There'll be more than a few. First, here. First, it was a reminder to... Not get carried away in any sort of sense of, I know what the fuck is going on. And, well, that seems to be something that has been really hard for people. And, well, yeah, because what happens when we enter a time of sudden uncertainty... And the world feels like it's gone mad and there's a virus out there that could, you know, it's a virus. It's not like an invading army um, in the sense of it's this thing that's kind of mysterious. It's in, a, it's in the air and some all the people around you might be carrying it. And so there's a reason it inspires deep existential fear. Now, there's a reason plague is one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And meanwhile, we're in the context of a world where trust in our institutions has been breaking down for good reason, because our institutions have not been, A, serving us, and B, being honest with us. And this has been a process that's been going on for a while. Um, You know, again, it depends on what country you're in, what age you are. There's all this context we have to think about. But as an American who's Gen X, born in 73, so I'm approaching 50, uh, my late 20s, There was the period kind of in my life before 9-11 and after 9-11 and 9-11 was definitely a period where kind of the last period where all of a sudden this thing happened that sort of felt like this bifurcation in history and where the government didn't seem like they were being honest with us and I was kind of hip to that pretty dang early. Um, partly because several years before I've been going through some you know my own went to college and studied political science but it was more my journey into the drug world uh, for better and for worse that kind of opened my eyes to the lies and the um, you know, the war on drugs and the lies there about you know, marijuana we don't that's not legal and it's for your safety but alcohol that's ah, perfectly okay cigarettes okay you know and i remember the first time i got really good and high and the next day I wake it up and going, whoa where, where where's the hangover and, wow i slept actually really good and wait this doesn't make any sense Why is that one illegal and this one, you know, this alcoholism? I don't understand. If you're going to make one illegal, why is it that, you know? And then that kind of, that question, asking that question, again, there's an I don't know. It led me into this journey of, let's see if I can figure out. And I started reading books. And one of the books I read early on was a book called Acid Dreams by a journalist named Martin A. Lee. And it was all about the government using, um, well, kind of the, the history of the government using LSD or trying to use it to for purposes like war and mind control and uh, other nefarious things. And it's interesting now because if you watch, you know, kind of like there are documentaries on Netflix that... Kind of cover a lot of this stuff, and so it's more in the mainstream. But at this time, this is a nonfiction book that most people have never heard of, and I found it. And then, in addition to that, I started finally took psychedelics, and I remember watching the news. And you know, I already kind of by then. This is when I'm 21, 22. Already by then, I've you know, aware that television news is pretty fake, um, even. In journalism school, I was a uh, print journalism major, and there were three majors in the USC journalism school, if I remember correctly: print journalism, broadcast journalism, and public relations. And us print journalism people, we were kind of snobby about broadcast journalism people. They're kind of fakey and you know, they just want to be on TV. And and I mean, the stereo you know stereotypes exist. Because there's some truth to them, you know? Uh, So it's not like I didn't know this, but I remember taking LSD and watching the news and just seeing, like, what a freaking facade it all was and just how fake it all was. (laughs) So I kind of had my Truman Show moment, you know, or moments well before 9-11. And... So when 9-11 happened, I instantly was asking questions like, well, you know, who, who is this Osama bin Laden guy? And at the time, I remember I was reading, there were two websites I was reading a lot. One was Common Dreams, and I know they're still around, and Alternate, I'm not sure if they're still around. I think they are, but, uh, and I remember, like I would print up articles from them a lot, And I remember learning, like, I think on 9-11 that afternoon or evening, when I got off work, learning about how the CIA had trained and funded the Mujahideen and Osama bin Laden. And, like, going to work, the next day I went to work, telling everybody about this, you know, like, hey, this guy that they're saying is this terrorist, like, we created this guy, you know, like, we had funded this organization, because they were opposing the Soviets in Afghanistan. And so we trained this person. And, you know, so it just it led to a lot of questions. Um, now, how did I get there from I don't know? Well, I think it. Was, I was talking about this kind of knowing and understanding that our governments are not being upfront with us more often than not, uh, the famous journalist I. F. Stone, that was his uh, saying, "All governments lie." And so, um, when the coronavirus thing started happening, my first thought was kind of like, "Okay, what are they not telling us?" You know. And, however. I think because I've had all these years in this living in this space of like the narrative the mainstream is telling us is pretty much a lot of it is not true. We have to question it. Um, I'm just kind of comfortable in this like, this place of not latching on to other narratives just to replace it. Kind of being in that I don't know space. But what was interesting Is that in late April, one of the astrology podcasts I listened to, shout out to Accessible Astrology and Eugenia Crock, she gave me this bit of advice, or her listeners this bit of advice about um, the nodes of the moon are switching here in May, from May 2020 until January 2022, this 18-month cycle. Uh, North node will be in Gemini and south node will be in Sagittarius. And what she said was that the way we understand the nodes of the moon, the south node is the karma we're trying to work through and the north node is what we're trying to evolve toward. And now I've kind of taken that and framed it in this way that Saul... you look at, like each of these 12 astrological archetypes has its light side, you know, its positive attributes, and then its shadow side. And so I kind of, and I this is something I've sort of worked out, but I'm not sure if it's accurate by... But it makes sense to me that the shadow, like what we're looking at, the south node where in the moon, that 18-month, we're going to be looking at and dealing with the shadow side of that archetype. And the shadow side of Sagittarius is self-righteousness, and I know the truth, and I'm the one with the answer. It's the guy in the corner, you know, preaching the end of the world, and I've got... And so, you've seen this in the last 18 months, have you not? Many people latching on to different narrative explanations for what's going on. And yet, before I heard her talking about this, I'd had this intuition, this insight. I don't know. Be comfortable with that. And so now here we are, coming up on the end of that cycle. Um, Like I said, January 2022. And I think a lot of us have been on this discovery of what is true, what isn't, throughout this period. And interestingly enough, the last time the nodes of the moon were in the same position was during the 9-11 era. And now I feel like... Okay, I'm sorry, the north node, uh, Gemini, is... So another thing that Eugenia Kroc, one of her framings, and I think this is really great, is you take the 12 months of a year and you kind of look at those as the periods of human life. And it's not breaking down into exactly seven years, so it wouldn't be, you know, if an if average human life, let's just say is 84 years old, it's not like that. But, so I think if, And, you know, she gave this to me, but I think this is also how I see the Gemini spirit is that it's kind of the ages of like maybe three or four, like kind of toddler until around eight or so, eight or nine, maybe. Um, And it actually has a connection to integral theory and some of the human psychological development theory, um, that kind of age. But, you know, how little kids are all about asking questions and Actually, they don't always, even though you might give them the answer, a lot of times they'll still ask the question, like, why is the sky blue? And you'll answer, they'll be like, why is the sky blue? You know, like they don't, so they're more in like an, a knowledge acquisition time. They're not in a the like, they're kind of more comfortable. They want to be asking questions. They don't want to be like, you know, they'll ask a question, but even though you give them the answer, it doesn't necessarily satisfy them. They're kind of more enjoying the playfulness of being inquisitive. And so I've been kind of in that place for the last, you know, since March of 2020. So let's just ask questions. And I'm going to say one more thing about that, then we'll get to number two. There's a lot more I could say, but um, one more thing. Which is that, um, let's see, how am I going to say this? that uh sorry i got distracted i'm walking on a bike trail here and it's the middle of the night it's not the middle of the night or you know evening but it's dark and walking kind of through between a golf course and there's just this car parked over there and it distracted me kind of like what, what are they doing um anyway asking questions so was I going to say I did lose my train of thought there I don't know I don't know what I was going to (laughs) say that's part of the fun and actually well I'll say this I wasn't going to say this but one of the reasons I've enjoyed doing the podcasts like this these what are usually called riverside ramblers but tonight would be a bike path rambler is that I don't know where I'm going I'm exploring, I'm I'm thinking, I'm talking out loud, I'm just letting my stream of consciousness run, and I'll have like a theme, you know, like I have now, uh, but I don't really know what I'm going to say. It's an exploration, and I've enjoyed doing that process, and I learn a lot by doing these things. I I find stuff out that I'm like, whoa, I didn't know I was going to say that, or that's really interesting, uh... So yeah, I don't know, but I think for a lot of people, um, let's go back to the ocean metaphor. So I've imagined that we're all in this ocean and the tide is rising, you know, the tide or the ocean itself is rising, the sea level is rising, and some of us have rafts with one or maybe two or three or four or five people on it. Some of us have decided to hold on to a rock. And all these are kind of like our, the truth or whatever, whatever we think is going to navigate this you know, chaotic ocean. And let's just say, well, if you're on, the rock, on a rock and the ocean is rising, it's not the safest place to be. But you think, you know, you're a rock. Well, it's a rock. This is solid. This is the truth. I found Earth. Why would you be on a raft? You know, like a rock is the place to be. But no, no, it's actually more dangerous to be in that kind of grounded. Let go of the rock and find yourself a boat or a log. But then there's people on uh, bigger boats and like giant ocean liners and cruise ships. And they're in their group thinking you know, they're like, we've got, we've, look, this is the truth. And they're coming by and they're like, hey, hey, guy down there on the raft, this is much safer up here. We've got the truth up here, but unfortunately they don't realize, well, there's a virus going around on your ship, a mind virus, and it's infecting all of you. So I don't want to join your ship either. I'm good on this raft, even though there's a possibility that, you know, I might starve or get swept under on this raft. I'd rather take my chances because this truth, this raft seems a lot safer than to be in the Groupthink boat where the mind virus is running loose. And again, in that boat, it's like, this is the truth. And I'm on the boat of the raft of I don't know. And that raft is more comfortable in this kind of chaotic sea. I'm not all stressed out and freaking out. It's just more like, all right, I guess we're on the seas of I don't know. Where the hell am I gonna go? We don't know, we don't know. But here we are at the end, we're getting toward the end of this 18 month period. And I'll say this, that, and I've been having these conversations with a lot of other people too, that a lot of us now, because we've been on this kind of intensive process of exploration and self-discovery, are now feeling more comfortable in, our, in that process. So maybe we've built our raft better, And maybe we're now feeling like we've got our, we do see land ahead. And so we do know what our truth is and what the truth may be. Um, I certainly feel I've got a lot greater grasp on what the fuck is going on than I did at the start of this. But having said that, I still leave that space for I don't know. And by doing that, I'm always able to stay in the next part of the mantra. We'll see. And actually, part three adjust accordingly. Now, we'll see is for those of us, and I'm definitely guilty of this, who are pretty good at kind of seeing where things are going and kind of forecasting. But again, it gets to that kind of when you get a little carried away, like this is where it's going. This is where it's going. Well, we'll see allows for it to go somewhere else. It allows for more mystery, and it allows for what I think is actually going on, which is a big leap, a change to human consciousness, um, an awakening, as many people call it, uh, which means that, well, I'll just tell you one of the truths that I feel like I've settled into, The truth of this earth, this experience, this human experience as organic beings alive for roughly 80 to 100 years if we live a normal lifespan um, is based on the divine law of free will. And now I know there are philosophers out there who are like, "That, ah, You know, they'll argue about that." And that's fine. But to me, free will means I'm walking here along this path and I can stop. Stop talking, stop walking, have a drink of my water. I have the ability within every second to choose my next move. Choice to drink ice water right there it was a fucking good one. <laughs> ah, it is really nice out tonight. I know I've said that already. Um, the only downside right now is I'm going under some trees, and there are a few kind of cobwebs. Um, but we're in a nice time of the year where it's not too heavy, and uh, it's not like I said, it's not too, it's not that humid, and it's a nice temperature. Um, it's really dark out here right now though, i will say that so when i stopped there all of a sudden it was kind of pitch dark um but yeah i know there are like foxes and stuff around here and there's the japanese raccoon dog the tanuki because i've seen both of them on this very path and there's snakes but not really gonna be snakes out at night and Those critters are probably more scared of me than I am of them. I'm not really scared of them. I saw one, I'd be like, oh, cool, a raccoon dog. Anyway, we'll see. Maybe we'll see a raccoon dog, folks. And that's part of, you see how that's also connected to kind of having an adventurous, exploratory mindset. Um, But a lot of people want that certainty. And I do think that some of this comes down to our personalities, personality types, Uh, using the Myers-Briggs type indicator system, which I'm reasonably well-versed in, especially my type, because I did study it for more for personal growth. And then also to learn about other people and use it for my fiction and stuff. But my type is an ENFP. My main function, cognitive function, they have these things called cognitive functions, and we have... Four that we're kind of consciously aware of, and then four that are in our shadow that we're developing. But your driving number one function for me, mine is extroverted intuition, which some have referred to as exploration. And so I've always loved the archetype of the adventurer and the explorer. You know, I think that's why I loved the Indiana Jones movies so much. And I had video games when I was a kid or computer games about the age of exploration. And I love studying that period in history. So for me, we'll see is like, I want to be in that place. Like, it's another thing. Like when I start reading a novel, my favorite part of reading the novel is when I'm about 10 to 20% into the novel. Like once I've gotten, you know, okay, I'm enjoying this book. Like the first part of the novel is always kind of hard because you're getting to know people in the world and stuff. But once you get that kind of, you're settled in it, and then there's like, and you're kind of hooked into the story, then it's like, okay, where is this going to go? I love that part. Love writing it, love reading it. Um, so for me, We'll See is a really comfortable place to be. I'm actually more uncomfortable when things get really settled in, and we know where this is going. <laughs> you know, oftentimes when I'm enjoying a drama, and I've kind of figured out where it's going. That's when I'm like, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> Got to here feel carry this thing through and make sure. But um, so, just getting to the point of, you know, I know there are per- other personality types who will see is a vet- much more challenging and less comfortable place to be having said that even for me the kind of feeling in 2020 of like all of a sudden I'm free of work but this plan that I come up with to move into my next phase has been taken off the table and every day I'm waking up and it's like well what am I going to do today and kind of being a little bit too free and too cast adrift well I found out that that was really challenging um because I actually do realize I do enjoy having kind of a, a schedule to some degree. I like having a bit of both. And when it's wide open every day, like when you're on vacation, and you, like when you're normally on a kind of normal, quote-unquote normal modern life, and you've got a five-day-a-week work schedule or whatever, and then the weekends you're doing your usual schedule thing, when you go on vacation and you've got that ten days or whatever one week, two weeks off, and you can be in more of a, like, we'll see what, what's today going to bring, like, it, it's great, like, it feels great, but I'm telling you, if you get into that over an extended period of time, it starts having a certain feeling of heaviness to it, and kind of like, well, it's up to me, like, gets back to free will, you know, it's like, all of a sudden you feel kind of like, well, it's my responsibility, what am I going to do with it, and that can be tiring, You know, not having these outside forces telling us you got to get up at seven because you got to be at work at nine, so that means you got to eat. You know, being on the clock has a certain comfort to it. But we are in a phase, I think, in our world right now where we really are in a we'll see phase. We don't know. Um, Things are really unsettled, and it just seems like just when you feel like you're starting to get a handle on things and another big thing comes along and says, nope, that's not what it's going to be. I mean, I'll use an example. And I didn't, I'll say before I get to this example, I'll say I didn't fall for this, um, but it's partly because of my will-seeness and also partly because of my distrust toward the authorities. But back in late winter and in the spring, there was this kind of, you know, the American authorities were telling everybody, just go out. All you got to do, if we all just join up and get vaccinated, and by summer we're going to be through this, and it's going to be done. And I remember thinking, I don't think that's correct. I think there's still more to this drama to be played out. And, But at the same time, Oh, and also Biden was in, you know, the office now, so Trump is gone, that kind of the Trump card thing, where every morning you never, you'd never wake up and what did he tweet today, and all that kind of uncertainty that a lot of people felt in the Trump years, that's gone now, we're back to, we're back to Biden, back to the Obama years, and we're, well, as I joke, we're Biden our time, <laughs> but anyway, there was that feeling of kind of like, all right, back to There was a a joke in the progressive movement of, like, back to brunch. Like, we can all go out to brunch again. Um, But I know I and a lot of people I know were like, yeah, I don't think this is how this is going to play out. And I remember in the spring kind of wanting to, like, talk to people about that who were thinking that, oh, we're through this. We made it. Like, we did did it. We're kind of wanting to say, hey, don't get too far ahead. Was well, my friend often tells me, don't get too far out in front of your skis, um, because I just thought, yeah, like the really. And then, and then in May when they, the CDC was like, everybody, uh, we don't have to wear masks anymore, and there was, there was kind of this. Uh, sorry, I got distracted there. I thought there was a person standing there, but it was just a, a vine going up a pole. But there was a green man there. Aliens have got me, folks. Um, but, yeah, there was this kind of forecast of hope. And I remember thinking, oh, man, people were getting set up for a downfall and a disappointment. Um, but, again, that was me making some procrast- prognostications, And because I'm trying to be an I don't know, we'll see. And also, I didn't, you know, I know for people in the U.S. especially. Um, God, I would say, you know, other places too, but in the U.S. because I'm an American and my, my friends and family are there, a lot of them, um, that it was such a hard year that I didn't want to, like, ruin their buzz, but at the same time, it's kind of like I have this sense of, like, maybe I should say something because, you know, like, that way they won't be so surprised this summer if things don't go the direction they think it's going to go. But I didn't say anything because I didn't, you know, I ended up not really talking about it too much. And now I'm questioning, like, should I have said something? Don't know that it would have done that much good, but for the people I know, maybe it would have. And if nothing else, it would have given me a little, maybe some credibility. <sighs> oh, yeah, you actually did tell me back in the spring that you thought you weren't out of the woods yet. And um, Anyway, but we'll see. We'll see. So next, then, there's adjust accordingly. And then again, this one, they are. there All these are connected, as you can, I think, as you can see. Um, but adjust accordingly. I'll make this one quick because I know I'm going on for a while here. And I'm actually getting near the end of this part of the place where I want to walk. Um, adjust accordingly. Well, that means exactly what it says. like things are topsy-turvy you might need to move your raft out of the way of this ocean liner that comes or the submarine is emerged out of the water like get out of the way going back to that metaphor um or here comes the iceberg move the boat and yeah get good at creating conditions where you can adjust accordingly and i actually don't feel i'm saying that right there but i don't feel i've totally done that yet you know like um, but I also really do follow my intuition my insight and I was talking to a friend today about um, well there's serious concerns you know there's news stories about uh, gas queues in the UK and and the US too and energy prices um, spiking and concerns about economic meltdowns, there's this China stock market thing, Um, and then that ties into a lot of the astrologers, kind of what they're saying about what's coming for the next several months, and tying into the U.S., and the U.S.'s astrological chart with its Pluto return in February. Um, Anyway, there's a lot of reason, I think, especially if you're in the U.S., to do a little prepping right now. But and I've been I've been feeling that too. And even last late last summer, I bought this. I watched this movie. I can't remember the name of it. Um, but it was about kind of forms of farming and getting self-sufficient with growing vegetables. And I bought, you know, the, the movie was free. But then they had this program with all these other videos and stuff and it was like 60 bucks and I bought it and I haven't even washed it yet and I you know I kept keep going back to like should I be growing my own garden and vegetables and I think it's a good idea but for whatever reason my and again this could be my intuition also tying to a kind of lazy aspect of myself but it hasn't pushed me I'm like you got to do that and I try to listen to that I really do Kind of that's how I kind of live my life. Um, so I think, as I was telling my friend today, that each country, each area is having kind of its own experience and its own timeline. Um, but I was encouraging her because she had an idea to get a uh, dehydrator and dehydrate some meats and vegetables and stuff. And I was like, yeah, I would think that's a really good idea because um, she's in the U.S. You know, and uh, and she said this kind of came to her, and she felt like it was a good idea. And I'm like, when I'm hearing people right now saying stuff like that, I kind of try to feel into it and then listen to what my own inner knowing says. And if it's like, yep, encourage that in this person, then I do. So that's what I did. Well, it smells weird through here. like Onions or something. This is where I saw the fox and the Japanese raccoon dog. This little stretch here. Anyway, so, but yeah, when you're in times of uncertainty, the more you're able to adjust accordingly and kind of create flexibility in your life conditions, I think the better off you're going to be. And then that leads to the last one, which in a way it doesn't, but which is everything's okay. And that's kind of a deeper spiritual belief that I have um, that, you know. And again, I've heard people argue against why oh, this is bullshit, but on a deeper level, I strongly believe, feel, know that everything happens for a reason, even the bad shit. Um, and I know the reason, I, one of the people I remember listening to who argued that this is nonsense was a man named Daniel Daniele Bolelli, and yes, he's Italian, um, He has been on the Rogan show, he's kind of friends with Joe, he's a professor of history I believe, and I really like Daniel E. Bilelli, I used to listen to his podcast a lot, Uh, it's called like the Drunken Taoist podcast, and I read his book, and I remember like, he had I believe, if I remember, I'm probably going to get some of these details wrong, but the gist of it was like he fell madly in love with a woman, and they had a baby and like that when that baby was like two that woman came down with some kind of disease i think it was cancer and like died a year or two later and so he was like you know when people say everything happens for a reason you know like that's really kind of it seems insensitive to someone who's gone through something like well you know like that and i totally can hear that you know um so i want to honor that i want to just speak that out loud but I would say, and again, I think this is just my spiritual perspective, but it's also based on the experience I went through in my mid-twenties when, God knows I did not want to, like when I set off for college, I was an all-American kid in a lot of ways, you know, got letters in varsity sports, got a good, great graduate of honors and scholarship to one of the top journalism in schools in the country, and know I was pretty driven in a lot of ways and so when I set off for college I certainly didn't put on the checklist of to do in my 20s become drug addict (laughs) you know and have to declare bankruptcy (laughs) by 25 um and so I could look at that and be kind of play this victim I'm like yeah life isn't fair and you know I could have had so much but then this shit happened and you know, like I could be that in that role, but instead, I tend to also identify strongly with the archetype of the wounded healer, which is an interesting way to kind of start to wrap this up because right now, the wounded healer in Greek mythology is Chiron. And when you're between 48 and about 52, uh, the planet of Chiron. Well, that's when you'll have your what's known as the Chiron return. And I had the first. Like a, a lot of these, like planets are out of the, you know, the the what they call the outer planets. You know, not the ones that are closer to us, or even you know closer to the sun, like Mercury and Venus for sure, but also Mars. Um, they'll go because they're farther out. They go through these retrograde motions. So when you have a lot of these uh, aspects, um, and a Chiron a return. Uh, let me say this an easy way for people who aren't don't really know the language of astrology. Um, your birthday is a solar return. Every year, the sun returns to the same spot in the sky that it was when you were born. That's your birthday. So a Chiron return would be when you know the asteroid Chiron is back to the same part in the sky as when you were born but these outer planets like they'll they do these things called a retrograde motion and so you can have a return that will happen more than once. So for me I think mine is like three or four times and it's over the next 3 years, but I had the first one in July of this year. And it's an archetype that I strongly identify with because I do believe that a lot of the wisdom I have is from the wound the wounds that I've gotten from life. I think I think a lot of us are like that, but you know, some of us I think will identify with that more than others. Uh, and according to my chart and some of the astrologers who've looked at my chart like my Chiron has a pretty freaking strong placement, so it makes sense that I do identify with this. But having said all that, the point is, is that the darkness we go through and that includes, you know, individually, but also collectively, is an opportunity. It's the whole Chinese thing. And I know I've brought this up before, but Chinese and Japanese characters, the word for crisis, uh, the, the, the letters, the Chinese letter, the kanji, is the same. They use some of the same or one of the same uh, symbols as the word for opportunity. And so... To me, what we're going through right now, it's a crisis, but also a great opportunity. It's a death-rebirth cycle. And so, I don't look at this all... I mean, I won't... (laughs) I can't say I'm 100% on this, because there have definitely been periods during all this where I felt great despair and (sighs) great sense of, uh, this is not going in the... Right direction, and we're fucked. And you know, I've had those moments, but I think they've been pretty short lived. And even in those moments, there's still been this kind of like, Are you sure? I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Um, everything's okay. And so, I kind of look at this as a you know, and another thing I've heard people talk about, which is that we all. We all choose when we're, we're born. We choose this moment. We choose these incarnations. The free will goes back to even before birth. And so we all chose to be here at this time. So rather than being victim to it and like, oh, this sucks and the world's going to hell in a handbasket and oh, man, woe is me. It's like, no, like you came here for a reason. What is it? And every, this is all supposed to be happening. Everything's okay. Um, and again, I think I'm gonna finish up here, but I'll just say again, please understand that doesn't mean I lack sensitivity to all the suffering and the loss. Like it's exactly not what I'm saying at all. Um, if someone you know out there is listening and going, dude, I just lost my my beloved or my you know my mother or my kid or whatever, I you know <laughs> I'm laughing because I was gonna say I feel your pain, but I do, you know, like I do feel that and i'm not saying that that's easy everything is okay doesn't mean everything's easy it doesn't mean that at all um it just means that this reality is happening and it is what it is and it's okay and it's okay and so now what do you do with it okay i'm gonna stop here i'm actually this worked out perfectly i'm about two minutes well a minute from if i get on my bike from the, Place where this road will exit. And this has been a long episode. But that's my twenty twenties mantra. And eighteen months into the twenty twenty experience or nineteen months or wherever we're at. I'm not sure. To go back to March, I guess, yeah, we're like nineteen now. Um it feels to me like the wisdom of that mantra is just as pertinent today as it was back then. So hopefully there was some stuff here that you can reflect on that will aid you and uh, thanks for listening until next time bye